This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. LaFleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to LaFleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Tuesday, December 19. And of course, the sick podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different, as well as these guys right over here. As I tap on my case of 12, Labitta TV's brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. Labitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Labitta TV, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Playground. Experience the world-renowned poker experience with free food and drinks at their cash game tables, a bad beat jackpot that is over half a million dollars weekly. Uh, half a million dollars weekly promotions, that is, daily tournaments and unmatched customer service. Why play anywhere else? Located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. It's been a while since we've talked. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks at one point, Uh, I was a little bit under the weather. At one point, he was a little bit under the weather. I think we're both better now. I bring in, without further ado, former NHLer, former Montreal Canadian, TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson. How you doing, bud? What is going on? I'm back. I can speak, which is sometimes important in my world. I probably would be happy if I couldn't. Uh, you know, it's funny because we'll get into the half, but this time of year, every single year, Every single team in the NHL goes through a run where some sort of flu cold goes through their team. It's, it's yeah. almost impossible for it not. Once one person gets sick for whatever reason, their kids are sick, they get up in preschool, whatever. We're yeah. so close to each other on the planes, on the, the room, on the bench, that it just goes through. And you are seeing around the league players missing games because they're a little under the weather. I missed a game. I was supposed to do the Montreal-Nashville game. And I was not able to do it because my voice was so shot. So yeah. um, some days rest like the players. Good to – happy to be back with you. Uh, Thank you. Feeling good, ready to go. Thank you. It was actually one year ago that I caught COVID, as a matter of fact. So uh, we'll knock on wood. I just can't find any right now. And, um, and uh, hopefully I don't catch it this year because I'd like to enjoy uh, the holidays. Actually, I was um, – I, I, I tested negative on Christmas Eve – at around uh, 4 or 5 p.m. or so. So I was able to somewhat enjoy the holidays anyway, but I'd rather not uh, be hit with the COVID uh, thing this mm -hmm. year. As for your voice, uh, and it's only normal with the amount of work that you do and color commentary that you do that you're going to lose your voice, Mike. I don't know if you know about this, uh, this, uh, this secret um, uh, medication that's out there. Uh, not too many people do, but neolaryngobis. Neo Laryngobis, go to the pharmacy near you. It's a suppository. Yep. One in the morning, one at night. The next day, your voice is back, my friend. Believe me when I tell you that. 
so I, I legitimately I will go check it. I'm going to yeah. Sweden tomorrow, Tone. Okay. World Juniors are super busy, and every year when I do the World Championships specifically, because there's so many games every year, no matter what I do, I don't go out. I'm not drinking booze. I'm like I work and I sleep. But because you're doing two or three games a day, by day four, every single year, I'm a little bit raspy. So yeah, yeah it's uh. It, and then I get like, you know, speak from the diaphragm and, and don't yeah. push the voice too hard and all these different ideas, which are, are not normal for me, but trying to figure out as we go. But all good. All good. Neil Laranjabas. Believe me when I tell you, this is going to be a lifesaver for you. All right. Okay. All right. Um, since we talked last, do the Montreal Canadians have a different visage than when you last saw mm. them and we last talked about them? Or is there a different face uh, to, to, to the team? Are, are you seeing something differently? Or is it the same team? Yeah, I'm, I, visage is a nice word. I quite enjoy that. Thank um, you. Uh, I feel like they're kind of the same tone. I feel like they're kind of the same. Like, you know... They have, to their credit, they generally have worked relatively hard. Like, they've kept themselves around most games. Their goaltenders have been a consistent force for them to the good. The odd bad one mixed in, every team gets them. But generally, whoever it is, including Dan Primo, who, you know, has had a couple decent starts, which have eluded him at times. Their goaltenders have been good. And they're finding ways to score a few goals here and there. And, you know, Josh Anderson, we will get into. But, you know, like, they're not going to have anyone, you know, Cole Caulfield's not going for him right now, but no one's going to score 100 points on Montreal. And they were hoping Caulfield would score 40. I don't know, even if he did, if anyone else would score 30. Like, they have to be a team that gets by on eight players scoring 20 goals. Like, that's what they need to be, and that's sort of what they're doing. I, 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 I but the only difference, though, if I put myself into their shoes, Tone, we're 40% of the way into the season. We're a long, we're deep into the year. And I checked this morning. I do not think they're going to make the playoffs. They are two points out of the playoffs. And it is long enough into the year that the players now are sort of invested in the season's points results more so than any sort of process and growth and development. Like, I think now it's we're halfway through. They're right there. And I think that maybe is something that would have flipped over the last few weeks. It's like, the playoffs aren't running away from Montreal. Like, I get they're just over 500. But the playoffs are still right around them. And that will be something that they will latch on to as a group. You know, uh, you talked about Caden Primo and the fact that his last performance was a very good one. 46 stops in Buffalo versus the Sabres. And the game that he had played before that was probably his worst game in the National Hockey League where he gave up, all, you know, five and all five were glove side. Mm -hmm. uh, but I watched Jake Allen last night and he wasn't unbelievable, but he was very good. He gave the Canadians a chance to win. At the same time, I thought they insulated him pretty good. It's only in period number three that, you know, the Jets were throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the Montreal Canadiens. For the first two periods, I thought the Canadiens played a great defensive road game, didn't give Winnipeg much. But I know that, I, like, I've heard from members of the media that when they go into that locker room and he's still a great teammate, but you can tell in some of the answers that it's a frustrating situation for Jake Allen to be in a three-goalie system. But the more I think of it, at Allen's age, and I think not overtaxing him, not overdoing it, and picking the spots in which you play him, I think he's going to end up playing better. I don't think that's the type the, of goalie that plays better as he plays more. Right. Well, the up to limit, right? Like maybe it's up to 45 games. But once he pushes through that number, then it's probably, you know, diminishing returns. But that doesn't make him happy. Like goaltenders, we, I've been on, I played in Arizona Tone where we had three goalies for like six weeks. We had Sean Burke, Brian Boucher, Zach, who's the goalie coach for the Ottawa Centers, Skid Row, uh, Sebastian Bach's brother. Yeah. Uh, great stories from, from Zach on the play. But, that, but um, none of them liked it. it. Even, you know, even Zach, who would have been the third of the three and not a full-time NHLer, like it's not ideal. So I get for Jake Allen and for Montebo and even for Primo, whom 
he might tolerate it because he's getting NHL paychecks, but none of them are really happy with the situation. But I, I look at it slightly differently though, Tone. Like, I, like beyond trying to protect their assets, like why would the Montreal Canadiens carry three all year long? It just seems, it seems like a real burden to how the team runs. But I wonder if with Montreal's extension, if Jake Allen doesn't become more attractive, even with a year left on his contract, like Carolina is shopping for goaltenders desperately. They got Aaron Dell coming in on a, a PTO. There yeah. will be teams later in the year who say, you know what, Jake Allen is, is, is a good goalie. And when he plays well, he can be really good. And would he walk into Carolina and be their best option? I think he probably would be. I think he probably would be. So I almost wonder if it's a necessary evil for Montreal to carry all three all year long until they are able to make a deal likely for Jake Allen for someone who desperately wants him at the deadline. And that will be four months of crappy timing for the, the goalies that are there. But I, I almost wonder if that's, you know, they're, they're keeping that option open by keeping all three goalies all year long. Cue the Jake Allen to Carolina for Yasperi Kakanyemi rumors in five, <laughs> four, three, two. We're not taking on that contract. We're not taking on that contract. All right. Okay. Um, Cole Caulfield's production, of course, it's much documented. It's gone yeah. down. All right. Caulfield at one point last year was scoring at a clip of a rate of on a full season. He probably would score about 46. This year, Cole Caulfield, his scoring has uh, dropped. He has eight goals in 31 games. Do the math. Uh, I don't have the calculator ready, but it's give or take take 21 goal season. Correct. Maybe 22. Marty St. Louis has been asked about Caulfield's drop in goal production a couple of times now. And a couple of times, he's told members of the media, no biggie trying to make him a more complete hockey player, working on some things with him. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, that makes sense to me because he wouldn't be the first player that coaches deem as kind of unidimensional or uh, first and foremost a goal scorer, or secondly a goal scorer, third a goal scorer, and then he does all the little things. He, so he wouldn't be the first coach that would want to change a player. And, and Scotty Bowman tried to make Steve Eiserman a 200-foot player, and Hitchcock did the same thing with Medano, and you know, I think even Barry Trotz probably tried to make Ovechkin a little bit more defensively responsible mm-hmm. at one point. So it made sense to me. And then I had former NHLer Phil Boucher on the podcast last night. And I asked him if he's worried about Caulfield's drop in production. And I asked him about what he thought about Marty St. Louis trying to make Caulfield a more complete hockey player and his production dropping right now. He had a really interesting answer that I haven't heard up until last night. Let's play the first part of that conversation. Read about Marty St. Louis wanting to change Cole Caulfield's game. What is Marty supposed to say? Marty is protecting Caulfield. Marty's telling defensemen, go. Don't don't worry. You can make a turnover. Go on the offense. We want to play that way. We want to play offense. That's what we want to do. You think he's telling Cole Caulfield to block shots and to play defense, and he's watching. He's protecting him. Cole Caulfield is struggling right now. So Martin Saint Louis goes to the media and says, "Hey, it's okay. We want him to play the better. Is is Caulfield killing penalties? Is Caulfield on the ice at the end of games?" Is Caulfield blocking shots? He's, he's not asked to do that. Martin Saint-Louis right now wants Cole Caulfield to score goals, to express himself, to respect a few concepts defensively. Right, don't turn the puck over. Don't do, do, don't do a certain thing that you already know you're not going to do. But right now, Martin Saint-Louis is taking a little bit of the heat off Caulfield because we want Caulfield to succeed. We want him to score goals. He's got the pressure. Everybody loves him. We expect him to score 30. Well, we wish he would have scored 30, 40, 50 goals, and there was a lot of pressure. So there's Martin St. Louis when he goes to the media and says, oh, we want him to play a 200-foot game. He's just taking a little bit of pressure off him. All right, and here's – you got that? You got all of that? And here's the mm-hmm. second part of that clip. 
Thanos sits there and watch tons of clip with him and saying, hey, stop and start, don't do that. Because yeah, he, he, he plays the game the right way. He, he back checks, he stops and starts. He's not costing the team a lot defensively. He's not expected to be killing penalties, blocking shots, and be on the on the ice in the last minute with a one-goal lead. I think when Mar- Marty says that, it's just a, a, he's a smart guy, and, and he's been in that role where you need to produce. I think it's more of a coach protecting him when he says things like that, and he wants him to go. He wants everybody to go. Martin wants a fun – he wants a, a team fun to watch that's going to score goals, that's going to respect a few principles defensively. But he's not ever going to turn it into a trap team or or the New Jersey Devils of the 90s. He's going to let them express themselves. He won on, the, on an offensive team. So when I think Marty says things like that, it's just about protecting a young player that's struggling to score goals right now. All right. So there you have it. There's a lot there. But in a nutshell, Mm -hmm. Phil Boucher says, Caulfield struggling, St. Louis protecting him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Your thoughts? Well, I think multiple things can be true at the same time. And like any good coach, protecting your players from anything is part of what good coaches do. Whether from the media criticism, whether it's from a scoring slump, whether it's from whatever's going on. Whether it's when they do something wrong and they should be suspended, you're up there, you know you're kind of talking on the side of your mouth. You may not believe it, but you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's important. And Marty gets that. Marty gets supporting his guys, his his players. So I, I think that absolutely is true. He's taking some pressure off. Cole who's struggling offensively by his standards, and you know trying to alleviate that by saying we're trying to, you know, focus on other parts of the game. But I also think. He's trying to focus on other parts of the game. Like, I think that other part is true as well. Like, I, Marty recognizes, like, Marty came in in the NHL as, like, a 90-point college score. Like, like an all-offense, all-the-time guy. He became almost like a Selkie player. Like, you can grow and learn and be diligent and become a better player, and it doesn't have to be expensive offense. Uh, Phil's right. Like, you know, he's not going to be expected to – to kill penalties or, but you'd like him to be out there at the end of a game because he can make good plays. You'd like a guy with skill to be out there that he can make plays to finish a game off. So I think both things are true. I get what Phil's saying. I a hundred percent agree with it. Marty is protecting Cole Caulfield, but I don't think it's completely a smoke screen. I think there is an element of truth to it where Marty is talking to Cole Caulfield about doing different things and managing pucks and managing game situations and appreciating that you can impact the game in different ways than just producing points. And I think a lot of that is, is tactical. Some of that, Tony, for Cole Caulfield might be sort of mental, emotional growth in that players who always scored, and like virtually every player who gets to the NHL was always a top scorer. At some point in your career, just about everyone goes through a point where like, I don't get to be the best scorer in the league right now. Like it's just the NHL, like Nick Suzuki is not the best scorer in the league. And so you have to figure out, okay, what else can I do to help to augment my scoring? And how can I feel comfortable and good about my game when I'm not scoring to the same degree that I once was? I think Cole's also working on that. So Marty's talking tactically, how to become a better player, but also emotionally, how to accept, you know, maybe being a 30-goal scorer and a 60-point guy and not being the leading scorer in the Navy or the best player in the league. And so there's a lot of that going on there. But it doesn't discount the fact. Cole Caulfield is struggling offensively. Mm-hmm. He's there and he's getting paid that contract or will get paid that contract because he can score goals better than other players. He's not paid to, to score 20 and be a good defensive player. He's paid to score 40 and be a functional defensive player. And that's the balance they're trying to find. So in the game of hockey, there's been very defensive-minded coaches. I think of the late Roger Nielsen. I think of Ken Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I think of Jacques Lemaire. 
And there's been, you know, some some coaches who love offense most of the time. And I think of the Glenn Sathers and the uh, and the uh, and the um, the Pat uh, Quinn was that way when he coached me in Toronto. Doug Waite was that way in New York Islanders. Like, yeah, they're offensive minded coaches. Yes. Yeah, and and uh, you know a lot of these coaches, of course, obviously had the horses as well. Tortorella, Tortorella coached the very offensive team in in Tampa. Marty Saint Louis, that's that's what he's trying to do here in Montreal. All right, mm-hmm. but coaches, coaches love to say, with great defense comes great offense. If you become a better defensive player, you're going to get more offensive opportunities. Sure. One-dimensional players, goal scorers, big-time goal scorers, not too many of them have ever really believed that, all right? They like to uh, maybe sometimes cheat and not come back. Sometimes, you know, just stay up. That's a little very bit. special. Correct, okay? Do you, as a former player and now someone who makes his living analyzing the game, when you hear a coach saying, if we'll make you a more compete hockey player, a better defensive hockey player, you'll be able to generate more scoring opportunities. Do you believe it? As a team, yes. As an individual, maybe not. And, and it's a fine great, line, again. Great answer. Great answer. But I think as a group of 20 skaters, 18 skaters, whatever it is, there is an element of truth. You play better defense, you get puck back. You don't play in your own end so much. You just have more volume of offensive opportunities, touches, whatever it might be, to go and do something different with it than defend. That is absolutely 100% true. Now, there are certain players, because of how they are wired, because they are so to because they understand how to maximize their own individual chance generation, that I don't know if that player, I don't know if Pavel Bure came back in his own end, he was going to get more breakaways. Like that, he probably wouldn't. Like probably would have hurt his offense. So I, I don't know if it's always true on, on a bigger picture team level. Yes, that's why coaches say it, because they can't say, Tom, listen, you're the star. You do your own thing. Don't really listen when I talk to the other 17 guys. You, you, you know, you can't send that message, although coaches sometimes deliver that message, which how they play and utilize yeah. players who don't necessarily buy in quite to the same degree as everyone else. So there is truth to it. I do believe that. If I was a coach, I would preach the same kind of thing. But you also need to recognize who's different, who's special. And, you know, there's a bare minimum that you have to, you know, especially in today's NHL, there's a bare minimum you have to do. But not everyone gets coached the same way. Not everyone should be coached or treated the same. Yes, it's a meritocracy. Yes, you get what you deserve. But it's not the same. Because, Tony, you're way better than me. You should be allowed to do different things than me. It's just just how it works. It has to work that way. So I, I think the best coaches can understand that. And sort of let their horses go a little bit. Let them slide just a little bit as long as they give you the bare minimum. Although it was, uh, he was setting, uh, stating an example and it's complete fiction. Mike Johnson just said, I'm better than him. I can retire right now. Tonight is my last show on this <laughs> podcast. I'm retiring. Okay, all kidding aside, this conversation is, is, a, is an intriguing one. I'm going to tell you why. A former Montreal Canadian told me and I'm trying to remember who it was that told me, but unfortunately, I can't remember right now because I've spoken to a couple of them. Stefan Riche had a gift. It was obvious when he entered the National Hockey League that he had an ability to beat guys one-on-one. He had a great slap shot. He had a nose for the net. He had soft hands. This guy could score goals. This guy was a born goal scorer. He still does it in uh, in the alumni games, all right? But he started off his career with Jean Perron coaching the Montreal Canadiens. And following Jean Perron, he was coached by Pat Burns. And if memory serves me well, he scored two times 50-plus goals in a three-year span. But he felt he felt with Jean Perron that not that he was – he would have liked to have had a little bit more liberty. And a former Montreal Canadian told me, he said, Tony, we all recognized Richie's talent – and we all recognize the fact that for him to be at his best, he maybe had to um, not track back as much as everyone else, you know, pick his spots and have a little bit more liberty. And so a couple of players went to Jean Perron and they said, listen, lay off of Riche a little bit. Collectively, we'll pick up the slack. And that's what they did. And he was still a young player, of course, uh, at the time, and he didn't score 50. 
but he went on to be a 50 goal scorer later on with Pat Burns. And so I'm just wondering when you see Caulfield play, even though Marty St. Louis turned into a great 200 foot player who was taught to play a complete game and, you know, is a hall of famer is Caulfield the type of player where maybe they should have that approach the way the Canadians had with some of the players had with Riche or does Caulfield resemble more a St. Louis and you're okay with them trying to make him a more complete hockey player? You know what? It's good to how you phrase that. I think I would want Cole to remember what makes it special. Right? Like, so I, I, I always want everyone to get better all the time. I'm Marty. You know, you're, you're trying to, grow his game so you can play him more play him for situations but cole caulfield is in the nhl because he has a gift not just his shot but his ability to play the game in the patterns and in the in in the areas that he likes to play them that allows him to get the puck to do the things that make special and so that's what i would be concerned about you you can't like you want him to be good defensive, but you don't want to fundamentally change how he sees and moves around the ice, because that way he sees and moves around the ice is what gets him the puck in the spots that allow him to score at a forty six goal pace. And when the first eighty two games that he had Marty had forty seven goals, whatever it was, like you can't take that away from him. So you're trying to yeah, be a fan, but you can't break what makes him special. Now, if you're Mike Johnson and I can't score like him. Like, yeah, I'm going to try to score 25 goals, but like, I'm more amenable because you're not, you're not disrupting something super special that is completely unique to that player. Like, like I play with Kobe, Alex Kobe in Montreal. Yeah. You know, one of the most, everyone says one of the most talented people ever to play hockey. Yeah. Guy Carbono was our coach. There is no more defensive forward in the history of the game than Carbo. But even Carbo recognized that you can't ask Kobe to play the same way he asked me to play. Right, you, you can't, because yeah. you would be neutering what makes him special. Yeah, and and I think Marty gets that enough, and I, I don't think Mar I'm not saying Marty's going past that point, but this is the the balancing act that you need to find: challenge, encourage, show, demonstrate different ways to be good with the puck, good defensively. And Cole's not terrible defensively; he's he's not he's a, an abomination out there. He's just trying to get yeah. better. You can't take him out of the areas and the routes. Like, he skates around the ice. If you're to watch him when he plays well, when he's full of confidence and dancing, smiling, and scoring, his spots on the ice that he skates through as the play happens, they are familiar to his pattern. That's where he's at his best. You can't take him so far out of those spots that he can't get there when he needs to get there to do what he does better than just about anyone in the world. That's the risk you run because then you're taking a great player and turning him into me. You don't want to turn to Cole Caulfield on me because you can find me. You can't find him. And that's the difference. Mike, traditionally, the seven-game road trip in during the holiday season has been difficult for the Canadians. They got off to a good start last night, obviously, with a win in game one in Winnipeg. Let's bring up the schedule so we can take a look at it. The Canadians have the Minnesota Wild on uh thursday night they they're in chicago on friday and then of course they'll be able to come home and be with their families for about four days travel on the 27th to carolina play in carolina on the 28th um make their way to florida play the panthers on the saturday night and then on the sunday uh play the tampa bay lightning that's going to be the difficult one really difficult one in uh in tampa because that'll be three games and four nights travel included um So we know it's difficult. It's it's a seven game road trip. Uh, there's some travel. There's a but it's it's not but, really though, Tone. Like no. the way we look at it, that's what I wanted to know. So how difficult is a, it? It's a three gamer. It's a three gamer, or a three gamer or a four gamer into February. Yeah, like it, it's not like first part. You got Minnesota, then you got you know you got Winnipeg, Minnesota, Chicago. Yeah. Yes, I get Minnesota, Chicago are back to back, but Chicago sucks. And Minnesota struggling as well, right? Like this first part tone. Yeah, they should be so locked in. They got they got the hardest one done. Yeah, Minnesota's gonna be easy. like they 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 gotta be taking. We get five or six points. 
in this first stretch, then you get yeah. four days off. And like, I understand it's busy and you're traveling back and then you travel again because it gets way harder. Like the Carolina, Florida stretch, that's going to be, like, that's really tough. That's a, still a tough games against good teams, even though Tampa's struggling. But you know, it's not the same as seven straight games in March on the road where you don't Got come it. home and you're packing massive bags and you're lugging and you're so sick of hotels. It's yeah. like, you're bringing one suit, you know, one little carry-on, you're back home, it's Christmas, you're back down south, which is always not that bad. Actually, you live in Montreal in December to go down yeah. south. Yeah. And it's 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 not as arduous as it sounds when you pitch it as a seven road. Got it. I just checked my phone, as a matter of fact. They're also in Dallas. That's game seven on the 2nd of January. That's, so there yes. you have it. Okay. That's, All right. That's in second half. Tough. And ending. You leave for the World Juniors, you were saying, tomorrow. You leave for Sweden. Uh, what's the if Mike Johnson is going to pay attention to one particular thing and going to pay attention to one particular player more so than any other thing and any other player in this tournament, those answers are? So Matt Celebrity is the name. He's the guy who's going to go first overall this year. He is lighting up Boston University. Yeah, he's not a CHL kid, but he's he, he's put up big numbers as a freshman um, at a good school. There's no Bedard, right? There's there's there is nobody like that. No, but this guy's supposed to be first overall. You've seen like the NHL is getting younger. Well, juniors are getting younger. Does not always twenty year old players that can be dominant on a Canadian team that doesn't have as much offensive firepower. Maybe more score by committee. Maybe not quite the six, seven, ten, twelve goals per game. Can Celebrini grow into? the best player on this team and show what Bedard did last year to a lesser degree, but like something like that. I want to watch him play. And the other part is Canada's won two years in a row. It's very rare to get to three. I think if you were to handicap this tournament, the Americans would be the favorite, then the Weeds, then Canada. And that doesn't mean Canada can't win. Canada loves the underdog role. Uh, but this American team, I want like eight, nine return players, they got a whole bunch of guys who are familiar with each other. They've had success at U18s and Halinkas. They will be really good. Um, and so I want to see them play at their best and and maybe get Canada in the final. Mike, before we say goodbye to you, I want to say hello to Stu Cowan from the Montreal Gazette and HockeyInsideOut.com. And I'd like to have both of you together at the same time for one particular reason. I've heard Stu say on a number of occasions, be it on the Sick Podcast or be it on radio, that he's very, very fond of your work. So I don't know if you two have had a chance to be part of a panel before. So here's Stu Cowan in 30 seconds. Stu, I don't know if you had a chance to tell Mike before how much you like his work, but I know you've told me how much you love his work. Well, I don't know if you've seen the tweets. I see Mike every once in a while at the Bell Center. He's covering Canadians games, but he's one of the best in the business. I just enjoyed listening to you guys for the last 20 minutes or so there. Fantastic stuff. Stu, uh, that's very nice of you, Stu. I, I know, Stu, we see each other when I get around Montreal. We've known each other for a long time. And uh, he's always been very complimentary, which I appreciate, which I always pick up because I do see it on Twitter because I read what he writes. Right? Like, you know, he's one of the people that I read to follow what's going on with Montreal. So uh, the feeling is mutual and uh, I appreciate it very much. Well, as I will say, as someone in the media, we, we can't have the same perspective of a guy who actually played in the NHL. You know, we can do the best we can, but when you get it coming from a guy who played in the NHL, I loved your line about don't turn Cole Caulfield into me. That's classic. <laughs> I think you're putting I think you're selling yourself a little short though, Mike. You uh you don't play as long as you did in the NHL without being a good hockey player. Well, no, I was good, but I was not as good at scoring goals as he was. So that's, that's a little Well, not as good at scoring goals. You, know, you, are. you might be able to make an argument about that. <laughs> So listen, so, I could score 20 this year in my prime. I could easily score 20 in this league. Yes. <laughs> so Mike, I, I would imagine it's going to be difficult to connect while you're going to be working the world juniors, but we'll find a way. And if not, we'll talk once you get back from the tournament. All right. Yeah, we'll figure out. I had some days off over there. Figure out the time. Just let my mind waking up early in the morning till and we'll see how it works. Fantastic. And we'll accommodate you no matter which way we can. You're that good. Thank you, Mike Johnson. All right, guys. Happy days. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the, the uh, festive season and we'll talk soon. You too, my friend. You too. Thank you very much. All right, there you have it. Former Montreal Canadian Mike Johnson. Uh, that's a treat, huh? Yeah, he's so he, Tony. He's so good. I mean, him and uh, Mike and Ray Ferraro, I put right at the top there. Uh, Dave Poulin's yeah. also good, uh, but uh, Mike is just—he's so 
he's articulate and he's smart and he's thoughtful and he's and he's he's very honest with his, his critiques and uh for some former players it's a little more difficult to do that because they still have friends around the league or whatnot but mike is uh he reminds me of the best advice red fisher used to give me when i first started in the business criticize but be fair and i think that's what mike does he, he's critical of players but he's always fair i want to talk to you about mike matheson because I thought Mike Matheson was huge in last night's win for the Montreal Canadiens. Let's put things in perspective here, okay? Mike Matheson has an assist in the hockey game. It's an assist on the Dvorak goal. Um, it's um, he, he Before getting that assist, he actually kept the puck in from going out. So he comes up big. And then in the last minute of regulation, he gets he goes for it. He decides to go for it in a tie hockey game. And he gets tripped up by Nick Ehlers who gets called for a penalty, and the Montreal Canadiens end up scoring the game winner on the power play in overtime, Justin Barron getting the winner. Matheson played a huge game. He logged one second shy of 26 minutes. He had that assist. He's the one who caused the the, uh, the penalty uh, for the Canadiens to go on the power play. But some people will look at him and say, sixth in the National Hockey League for defensive zone giveaways. The guy is a defensive uh, he's a he's a giveaway machine. I've heard some people talk about him that way. He's a giveaway machine. You say what? Well, people used to say that about PK Subban too when he was here. If you're a defenseman and you're playing that many minutes and you're carrying the puck on your stick that often and you're trying to make plays and the coach is giving you the freedom to make those plays. Don't forget when PK was here, he didn't have the same freedom that Mike Matheson has under Marty St. Louis. You're going to cough up the puck at times. And the good thing with with Mike Matheson, the way he's playing, is Marty St. Louis allowing him to make those mistakes. He's giving him freedom. I mean, 26 minutes for Mike Matheson is not the same as 26 minutes for David Savard or any other defenseman on this team. He's all over the ice. I mean, the amount of amount of miles he covers in a game is incredible. He's among the top five skaters in the NHL. It's hard to think of somebody who's a better skater. He, he glides on the ice. And he's on a team that's struggling, especially the forwards to score. Imagine where they'd be, the Canes right now, without the defense scoring. And Mike Matson's a big part of that. So he realizes the, the forwards are struggling to score. He realizes he has to generate some offense. He realizes he has to carry the puck and maybe take some risks. And the downside of that is there's going to be turnovers. Well, would you rather, fans are criticizing, would you rather him just bank the puck off the glass and get it out of the zone? We saw years of Canes defensemen doing that. It's actually refreshing to see a defenseman who's, not afraid to rush with the puck, not afraid to take chances, and also to have a coach that allows him to do that. And Stu, you know what? I echo the same sentiments, and I say this, you know. Take a look at all the good that Mike Matheson mm-hmm. brings your team. He's a minute machine. He's great in transition from defense to offense. He's great at carrying the puck. He's great at possessing the puck. He's a terrific skater. He has the ability to track back if he's caught up. He's a leader on this hockey team. Let's just say the reasons that we gave for him giving away the puck still don't sit well with some. Live with his faults, man. Yeah. The good outweighs the bad, and by far. It's not even close. And the other thing is, he's probably the most fit player on the team, the most well-conditioned guy, and all his teammates talk about how much they admire and respect and look up to the way he takes care of himself, not just in the gym, but the way he eats, uh, the way he, he's like, he's, he's a hockey machine. Yeah. People uh, say that about me too. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but he's, 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 he's so well-respected on the ice and off the ice um, dealing with him, speaking with him. He's, he's a great guy to deal with a great guy to talk with. He's very smart uh, on and off the ice. And as I said, would, would fans rather just have him, see him flip the puck out and get it out yeah. of the zone. I mean, you know, David Savard and guys like that make the safe pass all the time, get it out. They're very good at that. Jonathan Kovacevic's very good at making the safe play. But if all your defense are only making the safe play, you're going to have problems creating offense, and especially on a team like the Canadians, as I said, where their forwards rank last in the NHL in goals, and their defense are second uh, behind Colorado in goal scored. All right. Um, for the amount of times that we gave it, or I gave it, to Alex Burroughs early on in the season. I have to tell you that Alex Burroughs today deserves a lot of credit. Uh, not for where the Montreal Canadiens are in power play stats as a team, because of course they can do better. But sometimes it's about scoring the big goal on the power play when your team needs it most. And look, I wasn't on that bench yesterday, so I can't tell you the exact play that Alex Burroughs drew up. 
but there was a close-up on it on television and it kind of looked like yeah. he was telling um Suzuki and Caulfield you're going to switch it up at one point you're going to go there he's going to come here and then the pass is going to go back to the point it kind of looked that way and maybe and you know what you can tell i mean that wasn't that was an instinct what the guys were doing on that power play to give the puck back to uh, Baron the way they did and, and move it the way they did and move their feet the way they did. It was drawn up. It was a drawn up play. And it looked like it was a play that was drawn up on the timeout right before the goal. And Alex Burroughs deserves a lot of credit for that power play goal, I think. It certainly does look like that's what they drew up. And I was watching the game on TV. And I'm thinking, like, they're going to kill off. There. I think it was a minute and 33 seconds they had on that four-on-three. And they kept passing and passing and passing it around. It looked like they were going to kill off the, the power play themselves. But then they got the, the shot they were looking for. And as you say, that looks like it's what Alex Burroughs had drawn up on the bench. And four on three, I think it was Arpin Bass who asked Marie St. Louis after the game. It's not something like it practices. We don't see them practice four on three. But Marty says they do work in the video room. And that's, so that's a play. I don't think it just – I don't think Alex Burroughs just pulled that out of the top of his head on the bench. I think it's something the players have probably looked at before on video or talked about. And he was probably just – putting it back in their minds. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to try and set up. And it worked. And four on three, you should be able to get a really, at least one or two really good scoring chances. As I said, it looked like they were going to kill off most of that penalty themselves, but they got the shot they wanted. And Justin Barron, six goals for Justin Barron this season. That's, uh, uh, again, on a team where the the forwards are struggling to score, he's been a big uh, big part of the offense. We'll get to Barron in just a second. Have I ever told you my Max LaPierre, Alex Burrow story? I don't think so. All right. So I'm at TVA Sports, give or take. Uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm there, of course, Monday to Friday. But this was going back probably about four weeks ago or so, maybe a month. And uh, I'm sitting down before we go on air. And um, and I'm having, um, you know, a coffee with Max LaPierre. And um, and uh, I say to him, because he likes to put up pictures of Alex Burroughs every time on, on X, formerly mm-hmm. known as Twitter, every time the Montreal Canadiens score a power play goal, right? And, of course, we know that Max LaPierre is a former teammate of Alex Burroughs with the Vancouver Canucks. So I said to him, I said, uh, yeah, it doesn't take long for uh, for your uh, your tweets to go up there every time they score a power play goal. And he started laughing. And I said, um, and I said, um, I said, Max, you're a good friend, you know? You're, you're, you're loyal to your buddy. You're loyal to your former teammate. And, uh, and you know, good for you to go to bat for him when, when others, including myself, you know, give it to him when the power play doesn't do well. And he said to me, he says, Tony, he says, I I don't, I don't only do it because, you know, he's a friend of mine. I don't only do it because he's a former teammate of mine. I, I, I really believe that Alex Burroughs is the guy to coach the Montreal Canadiens power play. And he goes, I'll tell you when I knew he goes, and this is some things that I know that others, you know, on, on social media who didn't play don't know. But I was in Vancouver and I was playing in a game seven Stanley Cup final. I was playing in a final series versus the Boston Bruins. And I saw Alex Burroughs going up to the Sedins, pulling them aside and say, listen to me, this is what we're going to do on the power play. You're going to go here. You're going to go here. I'm going to go there. You're going to cross. You're going to come over here. You're going to go over there. Then I'm going to come here. He says, I saw him directing traffic. I saw him giving instructions to the Sedins. He says, if he can do it to the Sedins in game seven of the Stanley Cup finals, he can coach the Montreal Canadiens power play. Yeah, and the scenes obviously had a lot of respect for him. I mean, he's a guy who got to the NHL and played as long as he did, not because he had the talent of the Sedin brothers. He had, he had the work ethic, and he obviously had some hockey smarts to be able to do it too. So yeah, it certainly looks like the power play was two for three last night. Uh, it's not horrible anymore. It's better than it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's – as Marty St. Louis said, he's also – Marty also has responsibility for the power play. And a lot of times it's the players also that you, you know, as Red Fisher, another great line, Red Fisher used to always have when things are going bad. He said, show me yeah. the players. Uh, Canadian's players, especially as we mentioned earlier, their forwards aren't scoring. But um, yeah, if that was a, a, the exact play or close to the exact play they drew up last night, uh, kudos to Marty St. Louis for calling the timeout when he did also, because it gave his top guys a chance to catch their breath also. Yeah. Uh, 
and then come up with that play and they seem to to work it to, to perfection um which says that the players are buying what he's selling also yeah alex burles by the way for those who are not aware uh, one of the best ball hockey players Canada has ever known, maybe even in the entire world, all right? Because for a long time, he was part of the uh, ball hockey championships and played in an organized league and, you know, was went to the Worlds and all that stuff. Alex Burrow is a tremendous ball hockey player. You brought up... Dustin I imagine Getz. he's a good golfer too, Tony, because I know he has a nice house right on the Falcon Golf Course out there in Hudson, so I imagine he's a pretty good golfer too. Uh, I, would, <laughs> I would imagine he is. Yeah. Uh, we call those people athletes, Stu. When you yes, start, we do. you know, a great yes. hockey player, great hockey player, great golfer. Well, those are born uh, athletes. All right. I'll tell you a quick story. I was playing yeah. golf at the Falcon this summer, and uh, a group behind us, and we're about 350 yards from the TLC. And next thing you know, a ball lands behind us and rolls up right almost to our feet. It's like a 350-yard drive. We're like, wow. A couple of holes later, the same thing happens again. So my buddy was playing with me. He said, okay, enough of this. This is crazy. The guy's driving right up our butt. So he goes yeah. back to talk to the guy. It was Benoit Pouliot. Remember him? Of course, yeah, Benoit Pouliot. Very, very apologetic for uh, for doing that, but uh, another hockey player you know, hitting a ball 350 yards off the tee in golf. Former Minnesota Wild, mm-hmm. fourth pick overall in the 2005 draft, the year the Montreal Canadiens drafted Carey Price at number five overall. And if that's right, if Pouliot hadn't been selected before, uh, history might have been a little different from the Canadians because I think that's the guy they would have taken. If I remember right, he was ranked second behind Sidney Crosby uh, by Central Scouting going into that draft. Uh, Benoit Pouliot, later on in his career, traded to the Montreal Canadiens for? That's a good question. I don't remember off the top of my head. Guillaume Latendres. Oh, okay. Speaking of Max Lapierre and Guillaume uh, Yeah, there you go. Bleu, there, there you, you have go, it. Yeah. It all comes together uh, somehow. Yeah. Uh, Justin Barron, I want to talk to you about him because uh, we knew that he had something going for him when Sidney Crosby told us, told the media, this guy's a really good hockey player because, of course, they trained together yeah. in the offseason in, uh, in Nova Scotia. And uh, we saw right away his skating ability. We saw right away his, you know, his, his ability to handle the puck. Very, very good for a defenseman. But we also saw a guy who played a little bit of a timid game, could get out-muscled, could get bumped off the puck defensively, uh, not where you would want him to be. There's a lot of work to be done. He's done a lot of that work. Justin Barron is still not a perfect defensive hockey player by no means, but this kid has a lot going for him. And one year ago, and I've said this already a couple of times, but one year ago, you would have asked a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans, out of all the defensemen they have, they can't all play here. If one or two are going to be expendable, who would they be? Barron's name would probably be the most likely to come up. One year later, I think if you give two names, I don't think Barron's one of them. No, and well, you're talking before about Mike Matheson and giveaways. You know, on social media during the games, I see a lot of people all over Barron also being a giveaway machine, turnover machine. And he does give the puck a no, too much, but he's also trying to do things. He's trying to carry the puck and he's trying to do different things. And that's a good thing because two training camps ago, two seasons ago at training camp, I remember they had the two uh, craft hockeyville games in uh, uh, New Brunswick. And, and I remember I covered those games and it, the Canes gave him every opportunity to make the team that year, right? It's like they played him, I think, in every preseason game. They wanted him to make the team. They had given up Lekin in for him, former first round pick from Colorado. And he just, he was so timid with the puck, without the puck. And he ended up getting sent to Laval to start the season. He just wasn't very good. And mm-hmm. then training camp this year, he wasn't great either also. And I wondered if they were going to send him back again. And I wonder if one of the reasons they didn't send him back, if they might have been worried what a hit to his confidence that might have been two years in a row after being involved in that trade to be sent back to Laval. And they kept him here. And he has been making giveaways, but Marty St. Louis allowing him to make those mistakes. And I think... By him allowing him to make those mistakes, we're seeing him gain confidence on the ice. And we saw that, you know, he took his time with that puck in the OT before he picked his spot and he scored. So these are all the lessons that Marty Sanger is trying to get. He want, he's wanted his young guys to play without fear. He wants them to play open. He wants to have fun playing the game. And then he's, he's always said, as it goes on, he's going to crack down a little bit more. We're starting to see that a little bit this season. But I think what Marty St. Louis has been able to do with him is just give him that confidence that he was really lacking 
uh, after that trade because I said, you know, last season and the preseason, Barron did not look good at all. And again, this year, but you're starting to see now why he was a first round draft pick by Colorado. He's got lots of offensive skills um, uh, and he's, he's not afraid to try different things. And um, he's generating he's generating offense for this Canadian team on a team that really needs it. All right. Uh, speaking of confidence and speaking of first rounders, how about first overall? I know you and I were blown away when we made our way down to yeah. old Montreal and the old port a couple of years ago during the draft. We had a lot of uh, we had a lot of laughs with uh, with uh, Uri Slavkowski off camera, right? Yeah. And uh, we had a couple with Shane Wright too, but as soon as we got there, the one thing you said to me, you looked at me, so this is a big kid because. Yeah. You know, you're used to going places where you're the biggest guy in the room, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you're what six four? I'm but yeah, I'm six three and a half, six four. And I'm like two hundred and twenty pounds, let's say. Yeah. But when I was nineteen, I was probably one hundred and seventy pounds. So when I saw Slavkovsky yeah. that day, I was like, when he whenever he walked by, like I was looking up, but I'm going, this kid's nineteen, or at the time he wasn't even nineteen; he was eighteen. Yeah. Like, wow, like that's a man in a teenager's body. Yeah. And, He's lost a few pounds since then, like, uh, but he's he's just huge. He's just yeah. a huge, you know, big butt, big legs, big. He's just a big. He's a big farm boy, big strong uh, kid, and we're starting to see him use that size much more effectively. Recently, uh, Marty St. Louis spoke yesterday morning about how he's much more effective now on the four check, especially if he's F two or F three, and you have to read the play more than when you're F one, and you're just sort of, as he put it, uh, going after it's like a dog on a bone going after the puck. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of. Uh, improvements that way he's not losing as many puck battles against the boards he's not falling down as much the goals still aren't there i mean going back to last season he has two goals in his last 52 games yeah. uh, i looked it up at nhl.com this morning there's 372 players in the nhl right now who have more than two goals it's a lot of guys and they're not you know uh, for a number one overall pick the offense hasn't been there but marty st louis is convinced it will come uh as he becomes a better player away from the puck and does other things, uh, including the forecheck better. Uh, but he's using the, the most impressive thing I've seen recently is using his size. And I spoke with Uri a couple of weeks ago uh, after a game. I said, are you just realizing now, like how strong you really are? And he sort of laughed and he said, yeah, I mean, he never, he was so big as a kid. He never really had to use his size because other guys would bounce off him. He would just he said he just used his size then basically to shield the puck and they couldn't get it away from him. But now he's realizing that he had a huge hit last night. I can't remember who it was he hit. Yeah, uh, it went flying. And he's using his size well. And that's you know, moving forward, that's will help him. Uh and for his sake and for the Canadians' sake, hopefully the goals will come because two goals in fifty-two games obviously is not uh not enough for a kid who was a number one overall pick. But again, he's only nineteen years old. And uh we'll see as the season moves on. That's one of the things I'm interested to see as the season moves on. Seven games now he's played with Coffey and Suzuki. He only has one assist in those seven games. He's also been on the number one power play unit during that time. He's got to shoot the puck more. That's the one thing that jumps out. I think anybody watching the game realizes that. He's looking too often to make the pass to Suzuki. Yeah. Or hesitating when he gets the puck. But it's a lot easier to teach a kid to shoot the puck than it is to teach him how to play well away from the puck. So I, I think that will come. So, uh, yeah, there was a big hit yesterday in the offensive zone bumped the player off the puck, retrieved the puck, heads up play, gave it to Cole Caulfield, which ended up putting Cole in a position to to, to have a, a good shot, which was which was pretty cool. But yeah, his game is, it's really coming together. It's really coming together. Um, okay, other, Josh Anderson. Let's talk about him, right? Because, you know, Marty St. Louis told members of the media last week on Thursday when he was asked, you know, is it time to sit Anderson? No, no, it's not time to sit Anderson. You can tell that Anderson, like, I'm sure he must have really appreciated it because it almost seemed like on Saturday night it was like, you know what, the coach is showing confidence in me. Like, I, you know, it almost it almost seems like you wanted to pay him back. And and I was mentioning, you know, Anderson's not different than any other guy. Like, when you score goals, your confidence seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you don't score goals, your confidence seems to, you know, dip more and more and more and more. So yesterday he follows up Saturday's two goal performance by another goal, but going to those areas where you need to go to, I know you talk about you all army a lot. Now Anderson resembles army a lot. He's big, he's strong. He's got a real good wrist shot. He protects the puck really well. Um, but he's, he's faster. He's got more pace and he's stronger 
so it would make him an upgrade. But like Armia, he struggled to find consistency over the course of his career. But when he's going, he's a handful. And right now, he's it's a couple of games, too. He's going. He's going. I mean, his work ethic is much better than Yoel Armia's, at least in my opinion. And Marty St. Louis had a great quote the other day, and he said, you know, I won't give up on you if you don't give up on yourself when he was asked about Anderson, when he still only had that one empty net goal. And it was a great line because Anderson's still working hard and trying to do everything. He's had a couple of little dips there. I asked him after the game, uh, uh, the last game here at the Bell Center when he scored, and, and he said it was, it, he admitted it was just getting to him. Like after the 14, 15 games without a goal, it was really getting into his head. And he had, a, you know, so there's a couple of games where his game maybe slipped a bit, but getting that vote of confidence from your coach. And telling you, you know, if you don't give up on yourself, I won't give up on you. And you know, Marty was asked about the amount of ice time he's giving him, still having him on the power play. And I said, well, he did demote him from the first power play unit to the second power play unit. But Marty Stanley realized that confidence, as a former player, one of the quotes Marty had when he first became coach is, I can relate to every single player and what they're going through. You know, I've been a first liner. I've been a fourth liner. I wasn't drafted. I've been sent to the minors. I cleared waivers. He's also been a star player and a goal scorer. So he, he understands what it's like when you go through a slump without scoring. And he spoke the other day about just he wanted his forwards to get inside more. He's kept preaching that, get inside more, get inside more. And we're seeing Anderson really make an effort to do that and get inside more. We're seeing Cole Caulfield try to do that also. Much more difficult, though, for him at his size, yeah. trying to get inside and trying to find that space. He's really, you can see he's really working at it, but it's not as easy for him as it is for uh, Josh Anderson to do that or for Yule Army to do that when he decides he wants to do it. But for Anderson, I was really happy for him because you know, they brought him out uh, after practice uh, last week when he was still had the one empty net goal only. And it can't be easy for him asking, answering the same questions <sighs> over and over again. And he spent 10 yeah. to 15 minutes, answered every question, yeah. uh, had himself well. And then uh, you can see how emotional he was the other night at the Bell Center. We got that big ovation. He was the first yeah. stop. So yeah. it's, mentally, it's just been eating at him. I'm sure it's been carrying it. He's been carrying it with him home. He's had, you know, I'm sure he had a hard time sleeping. Um, people forget sometimes these guys are also human. You know, they have the same emotions we do, even though for they're sure. yeah. dollars. And for him, I, you know, I well, we saw we saw earlier. the human element with Jordan Cairo a week ago in St. Louis. I mean, uh, yeah, they are I human. Mean, yeah. I'd be surprised if Anderson doesn't finish the season with 20 goals. I mean, they had 21, I think, in 56 games last season. There's still a lot of hockey left to be played. I'd be surprised if he doesn't finish the season with 20 goals. All goal scorers go through slumps. Unfortunately for him, he went through it at the beginning of the season when it's highlighted even more. Like Brendan Gallagher right now is going 17 games without a goal. There's not as much focus on it as it would have been if it was the first 17 games of the season yeah. that he hadn't scored. So for Anderson, I think, uh, you know, last night he got sort of a lucky goal. Um, but the confidence is there again. We're seeing it in the way he's carrying himself, both on and off the ice. And again, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he doesn't finish the season with 20 goals. A shout out to Charlie and Sam. Whether you're an athlete looking to enhance your performance, a busy professional seeking relief from stress, or someone simply wanting to improve your overall well-being, Optimal Stretch Clinic has got your back. Say goodbye to discomfort and say hello to the new you. Don't settle for limitations. Stretch your way to a happier, healthier you located at 4710 St. Ambroise in Point St. Charles. Book your appointment today. Check them out, by the way, on Instagram at Optimal Stretch Clinic. Stu, um, what are you expecting you know, later on this week? The Canadians in Minnesota on Thursday and in Chicago on Friday. Well, it's interesting what Mike Johnson was saying before. Uh, they're not two great teams, and Connor Bedard is a great player on a lousy hockey team. Um, the Kings will be on a high after that win in Winnipeg. Uh, Marty said we gave them the day off today. Uh, I think they're originally scheduled to practice, so they get to fly to Minnesota, enjoy a day off today, uh, practice tomorrow, <clears throat> get ready for back-to-back -back games Thursday, Friday. Um, I can see them winning both of them. I can see them starting this trip 3-0 uh, and all and then coming back uh, for the holiday break. And the holiday break is much better this season than it was last season. I was on the road with them last year before Christmas. They played on the 23rd. Uh, in Dallas, if I remember right. And then there was a snowstorm. They had problems with their flight getting home. I was talking with Jake Allen about this the other day. They didn't get home Christmas Eve until about 5 or 6 in the morning. And uh, for a guy like Jake Allen with kids, it's not like you get home at 6 o'clock in the morning and you've been away from your family for a few days and you have little kids. You just go to bed and sleep for eight hours. That ain't going to happen. So it was a bit of a – it was crazy last year the way it worked. They had a better – the only play on the 22nd this year – is their last game before Christmas, which is in Chicago. Uh, so they'll be back uh, well in time for Christmas Eve and that with their families on a, a, a longer break. I think it's four days, uh, four or five days before they go back and they play in Carolina and then the two Florida games. So for them, if they you know, if they can win these two games, 
they're a game above 500, the way the NHL standings work after last night. So to be three games above 500, they're right you know, they're on the brink of a playoff spot, which is quite remarkable when you think that you're losing Kirby Dock and losing Alex Newhook and losing David Savard for the amount of time they lost them. Um, it, it's quite impressive what they've done. The one thing that Marty St. Louis, this team, uh, they don't give up, and they've never given up since he took over as coach. And there's games like last night, you know, the 2 nothing lead, they blow it, but they manage a way to come back. The game before, 4 nothing lead, then it's 4-3, but they hung on to win. So there's a lot of character on this team. And um, the schedule, I think, works out well. As I said, you know, traveling, I believe they flew out right after the game last night. So to have a full day off in Minnesota today to relax, recharge the batteries a bit, maybe go out for a nice dinner with your teammates, uh, practice tomorrow, another night off, uh, another dinner or whatever. So they should be ready for these back-to-back games. Fantastic stuff. We'll talk to you soon, Stu. Uh, listen, I-, I think we're going to talk between now and next week, but it- if we don't, happy holidays to you and yours. Same to you and all the viewers out there. Thank you so much. There you have it, Stu Cowan from the Montreal Gazette and HockeyInsideOut.com. Uh, and at that point, at, at, at this, I, I think it's time to bid you all a very good night. Thank you so much for watching once again on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, on Twitter Live. If you liked it, like it, share it with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. And like I always say, if you can, leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love. We very much appreciate it. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, their Cavallaro will be back tomorrow night, same time, same place. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.